Hello, everyone. This is Sonata Alice, and you're listening to episode 30 of the Parallel Podcast, where we talk about sexuality as it should be. Alrighty, so as you guys can see, we'll be talking about the body with a Christian sexologist today. I am really excited about this because I have been following Brittany for a while. And when I first started my journey on like wanting to have these conversations about Christian sexuality, there's not a lot of people that are doing it in a loving way that's not condemning. It's also fun. So when I found Brittany, I was like, oh, lit. <laughs> so I really think this was a really good conversation that we had. Very informative do want to remind you guys that you can watch the video episode of this on Patreon. The link will be in the description for that. So without a further ado, let's get right into it. All right. Hello, Brittany. Hi. How are you doing today? I am doing all right. How are you? Glad to hear that I'm also doing well. I'm actually very excited about this. I found you through the Love Hour and their podcast. And in my undergrad, I did do human sexuality and I didn't find a lot of Christians who were, you know, talking about the subject. So I was so excited when I saw you, a Christian sexologist, like who would have thought, like, especially in our like older, our generation, I guess, because when people are, were older, I feel like it was more like condemnation based. Mm-hmm. And now people are understanding like, you know what? Sex is a good thing. We don't have to say it's horrible. And then when people enter into sex, they still think that. So, yes. So can you tell people a little bit about you and what you do? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. First off, I'm excited about the conversation as well. Um, as she said, I'm Brittany Broadus smith I am the founder of The Intimacy Firm and creator of the My Bold and Me web series and anthology. And as a Christian sexologist, I speak and teach and train around anything under the umbrella of sexuality and just encourage, but I do so in a way that is medically accurate and science-based, but also sensitive to, you know, the underpinnings of the Bible and scripture and theological understanding of, of Christianity. And with the premise that God and the Bible are inherently sex positive and a lot of the things that we have by way of aversion to Certain conversations, behaviors, and things like that are rooted in, aren't really rooted in sound biblical application. It's more, like you said, fear-based and Mm -hmm. condemnation-based and things like that. And while there may be a standard and expectations of a Christian, we don't have to fear and run from from sex in the way that we do. So I really empower married couples to really expand their sexual possibilities to the to the length that it is comfortable for them. And then those who are abstaining to help them have a healthy view of sex. I speak a lot about how more important than your sexual relationship is your relationship with sex. So I love, um, mm. I love particularly working with Black Christian women to help them have a more holistic view of sexuality and their bodies. And overall, what helps them set realistic sexual expectations and, and give themselves grace when they're coming, entering into a marriage before they begin to have sex so that they aren't just recreating, you know, the ills of the past and can have a really fulfilling, pleasure-filled sex life like God intended it to be. Yes, that is what we need for the Christian community. It definitely <laughs> needed work in, in the kingdom. But I also want to ask you, what kind of got you interested in this field? Ooh, child. Honestly, 
really, and I don't even really talk like this, but it really was God because mm-hmm. all the way up until literally orientation day at college, I wanted to be a lawyer. Like I went to undergrad, I filled out my application for my mm-hmm. undergrad program and selected political science as my major is going to be a poli sci major and a Spanish minor. Gonna be oh, a wow. big time lawyer, <laughs> a big time lawyer in New York, and I was gonna live in this like floor to ceiling glass loft, <laughs> and like you know wearing my Louboutins and pointing and <laughs> I object, Your Honor. Like that's all I dreamed of between Johnny Cochran and then watching Girlfriends and Joan Carol Clayton was just like yes. the bees to me, and like I was like, yep, that's what I was gonna do. But then political science was boring. Like that man mm-hmm. during just during orientation, it wasn't even school yet. He bored <laughs> me to tears. And I was like, no, I can't do this for four years. That's so funny. I changed the psychology and I really, really liked like studying people. I had a course called Abnormal Psychology. So all of the like diagnoses and the strangest thing to think that you would see on CNN and that kind of stuff. I was like, oh my God, I love that stuff. And mm-hmm. at the time I didn't want to do I didn't want to do a PhD. I was like, I'm trying to get in and out. I'm over. I've been in school since I was three. I was over it, but I knew. <laughs> so I switched to social work for grad school. So I finished my bachelor's in psychology and I got my MSW. And I was like, okay, okay I'm going to do family stuff, social work. I can do some couples counseling here and there and stuff like that. And it was really great. But then when I got married, I got married to a deacon. He was 10 years older than me. Mm. And it was like a very traditional ministry and I was the youngest wife. And so some of the things that came out during like the wives discussions and stuff like that, I was just like, what Bible are y'all reading? Like I was so, I was so confused. Like, what yeah. is it? Like Jesus, where did he say that? Like, I just was so confused. And I learned of my human sexuality program the last semester of my social work program. And I was like, okay. oh, wow this is, I could do this, like, you know, but it still was just like therapy. Like I just wanted to do couples therapy. And I had a very like specific view. Like I want to help couples have better sex. Like I knew it, like that came in early, but it didn't, the the way that the intimacy firm has came to fruition now wasn't on my, on my radar at the time, but I wound Mm -hmm. up teaching a Bible study. My pastor, he really did believe in what I was doing. And we had a joint single and married ministry Bible, st- uh, not Bible study, Sunday school. And okay. so I was standing up at the pulpit teaching Sunday school, talking about being a selfish lover and, you know, the scriptural <laughs> unpacking how scripture speaks against that. And, you know, mm-hmm. just like how pleasure was important and all of these things. And like, I was really wrestling, like, how do I have this conversation in front of Mary? And single folks into the way that married people won't be bored, but then single people won't think that this is a license for them to go do whatever they want to do. And right, I was just right. like very, very stressed out about it. And then it came together and one of the elders, he's literally the most precious old man you ever want to be in your life. He was like, darling, that was good. We need that. But next time, maybe not from the pool pit, do it in the fellowship <laughs> hall or something. And I was like, what? And I don't, like I said, I don't really speak like this, but honestly and truly, if ever I heard the audible voice of God, it was in that moment saying, this is it. And so from there, I was just like, you sure? He said, yep, this is it. And then, you know, it shifted and like more clear about who my target audience and things were, Mm -hmm. like from just like a business standpoint. But 
it just, I was like, okay, God. And that was like a leap from just like church, like normal church stuff that we don't talk about. And then, you know, my husband at the time, he was very private. So his wife standing up in front of people talking about dildos and (laughs) saying Jesus, like, you know, mixing conversations about Jesus with vaginal secretions was just in public was just like, what? And so (laughs) it was a big leap to say, okay, this is what I was going to do. And Mm -hmm. I've been, and I have my moments where I'm like, you sure? And God is like, yes, I am. And I'm like, yeah, okay, here we are. In those moments, it has to be Jesus for you to continue because it's like, this can be dangerous, you know, it's like uncharted territory. So awesome. Well, I'm glad you responded to the call because it's definitely Mm. needed. But I also remembered when I usually have guests on the podcast, I ask them the same question. So what is one aspect of God's character, the Trinity's character that has been most evident in your life? Oh, that is such a great question. My goodness. Only one. And so, oh my God, I know. And Okay, so it's interesting because the, as soon as you said, as soon as you finished, the first thing that came to mind was provider, like Jaira. Mm. And I, but then as I'm sitting with it, it's, it's weird. Like I can't. I can't sum in the words like he's kept me like I've been through a lot of things mm-hmm. and I've always come out on the other side unscathed like surprisingly so like if folks heard my true true testimony they'd be like what like those songs then like well I should have lost my mind literally I should have lost my mind Mm-hmm. And the fact that I can still form sentences is just like mind boggling to me. Wow. That's yeah. good. Yes. I love asking that question. There's always great answers it's to that. So so. Beautiful. God is so good. Yes. And it's encouraging for other people to hear that, you know, that he's your provider. Different people have said grace, his patience. So just to see how God's working intricately. And so, you know, particularly in each individual's life is just beautiful to hear about. So thank you for your answer. So I will start with this question. Why is it so important for Christians to know about their anatomy? So, you know what? It's one of those things where, again, you can get real deep about it or Mm -hmm. you can stay surface. Like on the surface, it's because it's your body. Like you got to walk around in the world with it every day. Like why would you want to be, have this thing that's on you, with you, a part of you every single day that you're ignorant of? That doesn't even make, that's not even mathematical, right? It's like living Mm -hmm. in your house and not knowing your address. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> right? So, yeah. but on the like spiritual side is if you believe, I think it's one Genesis 128, 129, on the, and on the God saw all that he had made and said that it was very good. If you believe mm-hmm. that from creation, from the garden, that he created our bodies when he, you know, he created Adam and then he got the rib and created Eve. And if you believe in all of that, then you can't despise what God called good. And so really becoming a student of all the works of his hand includes your body. And so by being ignorant of a thing, you're saying to God, essentially, that this thing that you created is not worth knowing. And who are you to say such a thing? And like, you know what I mean? And so it really is just, it comes down to if you think that he is sovereign and you believe that you his creation is a good thing. Mm-hmm then you should understand paying attention to 
you should be cognizant of your body and being knowledgeable of it. That means the proper terms and not using, not calling it a pocketbook and all of the other kinds of, all of that nonsense is just rooted in, in shame. And I know that mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of our way, especially culturally, like, you know, pocketbook and cookie and flour and all yeah. of those things. But those are like rooted in like this, like respectability politics things. And like, we just don't say certain things mm-hmm. and it, but it, it really, see shame and it perpetuates ignorance yeah. because we have then I had a client once who was she was 60 something fresh out of a 30 year marriage her husband had passed away and mm-hmm. she was ready to start dating again which was amazing but we had to have a couple sessions with you know Veronica the vulva puppet because she didn't know <laughs> that she had it wasn't just a vagina that she didn't know that she had a urethra. She didn't know she there were two holes and she thought that she peed out of her, urinated out of her vagina. Yeah. And at 65. And then even saying the word vulva was a new term to her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're 60 something. Like, how is that possible? But this is possible. When you don't talk about it, when you don't learn it, essentially you're, it's, we learn as much by what is said as we do by what is not said. So when you don't yes. say stuff and you actively avoid having conversations, you're teaching young people and perpetuating it in older people that this is not worth talking about. It's a bad thing. It's a problem. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, we've taken this idea of private parts too far. Like, yes, it's private, but private and secret are not are not the same thing. And it's in, it's in secrecy where shame is birthed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think... That kind of piqued my mind about like sometimes we learn more from the world because Christians are so fearful to have these conversations like everything that I've learned, you know, well, I've learned some from college, but I learned early on a lot that I shouldn't have learned from the world. But also, mm-hmm. for example, like within LGBTQ, like they know way more about their sexuality than Christians do right now. And I think mm-hmm. we're so fearful of exploring things that we miss a lot and we're we end up being immature in the conversation when we should be the ones leading it because we are the ones in Christ who fully understand our bodies and what it means, like the depth of it all. So have you heard of the show called sex, love and goop on Netflix? Yes. Yes. I haven't seen it, but you need to watch it. It's so good because it speaks to what we're talking about. There was a grown man who cried after orgasming and also another woman because there's so many, you know, gender norms for how men should experience sex, how sex should be. And it's sad that men just kind of not just men, but like people are kind of boxed into how sex should look or sex should be. And then when they fully experience, you know, orgasm, which you should be having more than not, mm-hmm. it's like a really emotional experience for them. So I just thought that was really cool to see. And I think, you know, if you're married or engaged, you should watch it. But if you're single, maybe just mind your business <laughs> but, it but is even really in good. that though but even in that though i think that there is a that conversation about how emotional orgasms can be and because of you know not being having access to pleasure and all that i think that is a conversation that singles should be a part of i yeah, think that true. we get fearful of you know don't wake love before it's time and you know mm-hmm. things like that but you know i say all the time like on my platform like you don't have to sin to be informed and i think that yeah. that is a healthy conversation to be able to take and then now if you are like if you have one of those moments where you're super aroused and like you know it's you know, your hormones are running crazy. Maybe sex, love, and goop is not the right idea. Right, right. That, that's what I'm, that's in that the, moment, the instinct. Right? 
But right, you know, right. but once you like settle down, like you know, the next day or you know, whatever, because we know our hormones like they mm-hmm. ebb and flow. Like we have those moments that you want to be mindful of it, just like in any other thing that something that could be a trigger or whatever. But it's also right, right. a healthy conversation because then what happens is when avoidance doesn't breed discipline or self-control. Mm. When we just avoid it at all costs. And so what happens is that, you know, because inaccessibility is not the same thing as deliverance from a thing. So if you struggle with fornication mm-hmm. and essentially self-control single and you've not addressed that, you're going to struggle with it married. It's just going to be called a different thing. Like you yeah. don't get to just have sex, whatever you want, because you say so just because you married. That's not how mm-hmm. it works. That's not how life works. You have a partner now that you have, you know, kind of filter your desires and interests and you know appetite through and so it's the same method of control now we in marriage there's a different outlet but then that's then also a part of knowing yourself as a single if you are looking for that orgasmic release and that feeling that you get or that you know that peace that comes with in some instances that orgasm what do you know of about yourself and your interests and your likes and dislikes that you can find that same release in some other outlet. Mm-hmm. And so that's the part. And so avoiding, you know, certain conversations or excluding singles from the conversation of sex altogether, yeah. I think is ill-advised. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So the distinction is then, you know, if you are, if you know you and you get easily aroused or too tempted in those situations that causes you to do things that, you know, you shouldn't, then stay away mm-hmm. from it. But if it, mm-hmm. if you can learn from it, definitely. It's a great show that yeah. I enjoyed. And if you're in that space where TV shows are you getting easily aroused, let's look at that. Like, let's sit down and have a conversation. Like, why is my spirit so sensitive mm-hmm. to these things? Like, what other areas in my life do I need to kind of shore up that, yeah. you know, in this over-sexualized world, like, they literally use boobs to sell french fries now. So, like, <laughs> if you're, you know, that sensitive... You in a, for a world of trouble because literally everywhere you turn, there's some type mm. of something like <laughs> going on. So you can kind of figure out what's going on there. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I talked about this a little bit in episode seven as well, like how Christians should know their bodies. And like you said about pleasure, it doesn't always have to be sexual. You can find it in other ways, like going to the gym yeah. or finding pleasure in different things that you genuinely really enjoy that fulfill you. So that was a good point as well. I also wanted to ask you, what's been kind of the craziest thing you've heard about people's views of sex or anything like that? Because I know you said there was a six-year-old woman that didn't even know about her vulva. What's like one of the craziest things you've heard? Lord, I've been in the game (laughs) a little while now. so Top two, maybe. (laughs) They run the gamut. I think just mindset-wise, though, it's this idea that it's the the crazy it's not even really extreme cuz it's common but it still really blows my mind is this like women who feel like I'll do whatever's asked of me from mm. my husband like I will I don't tell my husband no and I'm like that why doesn't... not like that's not realistic <laughs> like there's not yeah. like this not and so and they wear that you know, as a badge of honor that whether they want to, whether they don't want to, whether they feel like it, whatever, no matter what's going on outside of maybe like some medical stuff, they are always sexually available to their husband, which is, and if it's not genuine, like if you don't genuinely want to be there, but you feel like you have to be in that space because it's your duty, that just yeah, still that sounds sad. Just like, 
And I say to them, which they like, even if your husband goes with it, he would much rather the sex that you want to have. The compliance mm-hmm. sex is not fun for anybody. Yeah. So. Wow. That is sad to hear. Okay. Well, in lieu of 60 year old client that you had, can you kind of walk people through, kind of introduce them to Veronica and walk through? I sure can. Genitalia information. Yes. This is my baby. That My best friend. That's my best friend. This <laughs> Veronica the vulva. She's a anatomically correct vulva puppet. I use her. I take her literally everywhere. If you follow my Instagram, you know that she has been from restaurants to the cockpit <laughs> in planes. She takes pictures. Oh, she? Yes. She's everywhere. We've worn a pilot's hat and everywhere. You know, That's before hilarious. COVID, we were... We were in all the places with Veronica and she's not only is she a conversation starter, but she's a uh, a teaching tool to help in a, you know, kind of soft startup kind of way, help women learn. And in the sense women and people who have sex with women learn yeah. the vulva mm-hmm. anatomy, because if you want to have sex with a vulva, you should know the anatomy of it as right. well. So she has a clitoral hood at the side that sits at the top of the, right underneath the mons pubis, which is this area up here where the pubic hairs are. And right, you know, kind of down below that is the, the clitoral mm-hmm. hood. Everybody is different. Some folks are more pronounced, some, you know, kind of short. And then the clitoris is called the glans clitoris, which is just like the tip of the clitoris. Most people only recognize this this one part, I know my grandma used to call it the man in the boat, which never made any sense to me. Yeah, I'm like, huh? what is? Or, you know, some people call it a pearl or like all of those yeah. things. It's just This is just that part. But the reality of it is the full clitoral structure is more shaped like a wishbone. And so this mm-hmm. part is out. But really, like almost 80% of the rest of it is down inside the body on either side of the inner labia like this. So there's the bulbs that are kind of like shaped like a like you I guess here Mm -hmm. and then these are the roots the crux that are just like down inside and that's Mm -hmm. important to note especially when you are having sex and for extending pleasure because if you think as far as the clitoris that this is it then you're leaving like other missing opportunity to stimulate other or risking overstimulation of that one area. Oh, that one area, especially, and it depends on, and it's like important to know like yourself and your partner as far as like how intense they, because this the it's super sensitive. There's mm-hmm. upwards of eight thousand or more nerve endings just in this one space, and if you go in there like DJ Koo, like <laughs> it, it could be uncomfortable for partners. So um, right. there's that, and these are the inner labia and the outer labia most before in the past historically it was called labia minora and labia majora but in those they call that means like big little big little but what we've learned about uh vulva anatomy is that not all people's vulvas are shaped like that like some folks inner labia are more pronounced and prominent than the outer labia so it really is more about location than mm-hmm. size, and then that way it doesn't exclude people that don't yeah, you know, or isolate anyone people. who's different, right? That have the uh, typical presentation, right? And mm-hmm. so inside, now we have the vagina. This is the part that's inside. Most people call this whole thing the vagina, but the only part that's the vagina is this internal part right here, where babies come from. You know, where you when you're menstruating, where your blood secretes out. That's the vagina. The only part. This ridged part here, which is just about like a thumb's length and up inside the vaginal canal is the G-spot. 
the Graffenberg spot. And then this area here, right above the vaginal opening, is the urethra. And that's where urine comes from. So mm-hmm. if you did not know, and now you know, you do not pee out of your vagina. No, ma'am. So when you're going to the bathroom, you're urinating, you do not, it doesn't come from your vagina. And mm-hmm. then thus, you don't have to, if you wear, if you're a tampon wearer, you don't have to take your tampon out to go to the bathroom when, mm-hmm. when you go. But some people feel like they do. And then that's why you have this here, which is the perineum, which is that space right between the vaginal opening and and the anus. So mm-hmm. that is that is Veronica. Yes, and now you know. So she is not just telling you this for a lesson on your body. Like so this also does something for your brain as well, knowing yourself. It mm-hmm. literally helps you know you better and be more confident in you knowing yourself. So I yeah. think that's just really cool that you're more confident in you by knowing yeah. an aspect of your body. Yeah. So. And essentially you, it impacts relationships because when you know your body and you know how it functions, you're more confident, as you said. And then also you are less likely to take junk mm-hmm. from other people. And yeah. that's not just in romantic relationships. Like you could go to the doctor and the doctor is trying to tell you X, Y, and Z. And you're like, no, 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 mm-hmm. doc. This is my baseline. This is how my body typically functions or looks. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. But over the last couple of months, I've been experiencing this, which is a marked difference from that. So when they try to say, oh, that's normal, that's this, that, that, it may be normal in the patients you've seen in the past, but it's not typical for me. Yeah. And good. now you can advocate better. You can advocate better for yourself when it comes to, even when you're married and it comes to having sex. Like we started, I started a movement, it's the clit for me mm-hmm. to bring, to end clitoral ignorance, to help people understand, number one, what the clitoris looks like, but also to empower women to speak up for their sexual preferences. And you have some women who will, again, with that same like compliance mindset that will lay there not being pleased or actively irritated by something that their partner mm. is doing or their spouse is doing and won't speak up, won't say anything because it, for fear that it may be a shock of their ego or whatever. And then they're there just, you know, letting sex happen to them and not right. being an active participant in the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. And that also reminded me why it's so important to start these conversations young as well, because kids are less likely to be abused when they actually know what their genitalia is. When predators hear that, they're like, oh, shoot, someone's actually talking to this kid about sex. So I'm more likely to get caught. So it's not just adults knowing for sex purposes. It's for kids as well to be protected. So good stuff. Also for the men, because we did not just go over male genitalia. It's important for you to know your genitalia as well. I think I know more about male genitalia than a lot of men. And that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's also the fact that, you know, it's external and right. it's an external makeup of it. There aren't as many parts, if you will, mm-hmm. but also just there is, it's visible like people and not just visible, like, you know, people walking around with their penises out, but like, <laughs> The conversation of penis and the accurate name and all of those things are something that's a common practice. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, vulva, clitoris, all of those things that make up a woman's genital is not ever really touted as important. Right, right. So, yeah, women and men, y'all both needed to know your own genitalia. I think in, I think it was episode seven, we talked about this. And I watched a show on Netflix as well where one of the girls was saying, like, oh, I've never even seen my vagina for this long 
Mm. And she's like, you know, I'm going to treat it better. I'm not going to just let anyone in and just have access to it. So it's very empowering to actually see your vagina. So can you talk a little bit about mirror work? Yeah. So I recommend folks after each cycle, like however your menstrual cycle works, or at least like monthly, no longer than quarterly, really taking like a hand mirror and sitting down, being comfortable and really looking at your vulva and noticing what's there, noticing, you know, how pronounced the different parts are, noticing colors, even noticing like, you know, color and scent secretions and all of those things, just being comfortable with looking at it. And then also while you're looking, noticing what you're feeling. Like if there is some, if things come up for you, but looking at your, you know, looking at your vulva that's different than looking at your hand, you know, no, like sit with that. Like, what does that mean? Why am I having these feelings about whatever when I see my vulva? Why is it so hard? Because you'll be, I don't I mean, you may not be surprised, but when I, that's one of the primary assignments I give my coaching clients. And it's for some of them, it's like, what? You want me to do what? Why? For what? Like, and when I talk about it on social media, inevitably, at least one person is like, oh, I'll wait till I'm married to do that. Oh, that's sad. I'm like, say what now? Like, what's, the, and they're like adamant, like, well, what's the point? What am I? Okay, I saw it now. What? <laughs> I'm so confused. And, but the thing is that that's because there's an, an inherent thoughts of like sexuality or not even sexuality. There's people think, look at, think genitalia and they automatically think sex. Like, yes. there's like, there's not, unless you're having sex, the vulva and that point is not a sexual object you know what i'm saying and so when they think about it they automatically assume that it's connected to some type of sexual expression outside of just a healthy body image Mm -hmm. just looking at your like where you know what i'm saying it's just like noticing what's going on and you know looking around and like no different than looking at your face in the mirror like oh my god is that a pimple what's going on i need my eyebrows done like that same kind of analysis you should do with all of your parts like to actively i've always it'll be one thing if it's just like oh i didn't even think about it but to actively avoid looking at it mm-hmm. is the one is the areas where i have concern for folks. yeah yeah and i've heard someone say like you teach your kids you know oh this is your ear this is your nose this is your whatever why does it get so uncomfortable when it goes down there it's just another yeah. aspect of your body not that it's not important but yeah, it's just another aspect that we can get to know. So definitely want to encourage everyone listening to just spend some time with your genitalia. Um, and if you get aroused, that's okay. The whole point is for you just to get to know yourself. So there's no condemnation in that. Yeah. But I want to also ask, what are some practices you feel like that women and men should engage in when it comes to like genitalia health and upkeep? Number one, particularly for vulvas, keep flavored, scented, sugary, things mm-hmm. far 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 away that all the time like and this is a little it's a little crass but oh well just because it has lips it doesn't mean it eats food so keep <laughs> all of the if you're married and you're trying to be sexy all the chocolate and the strawberries and the whipped cream and the edible underwear and all of that when oh, you are wow. if you have if you're getting married and you you have a, a girlfriend that's getting married and you want to buy them some of that nonsense that you get at bachelorette parties don't <laughs> Don't put sugar anywhere near, <laughs> anywhere near your vulva. No flavored lubes, no scented body wash, no scented sanitary napkins. Like all of that is terrible. Do not douche 
under any circumstance. And I feel like sometimes I'm like, do I have to keep saying this? Because nobody's douchey. But you people surely are do. douchey. Mm-hmm. They are still selling douche. Like, don't, don't do it. At Summer's Eve, don't do it. Do not do it. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't do it. Because what happens when you do it. And they, they may be wondering, really like, why not? You know? All yeah. of it. Right. And so mm-hmm. and what happens is douching removes all of the bacteria from your vaginal canal, but including the good bacteria. And because the vagina is a self-cleaning ecosystem and when the vaginal secretions that we get, you know, in our underwear daily and the, you know, it's that alkaline, which is why you'll see those like color changes in your underwear and things like that. All of that is typical and it keeps, that is the environment that is needed to keep you know, to kill bacteria and, you know, and things like that and mm-hmm. fight or ward off any type of infection, but it's cleaning itself. And then when you menstruate, all of that is just part of the cleaning process. So when you douche, it messes up that your pH and your ecosystem, and then it becomes counterproductive because then you open the door for yeast infections, which itch like the dickens and bacteria vaginosis, which smells like death. And so it's not <laughs> really anything. That. Oh my Lanza, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's it's nothing that you want to do. And really what it is, a capitalistic society, their mission is to convince us that we're not good enough or mm. or smell good enough or strong enough or smart enough and all that. That's how, you know, people say all the time about pain points. That's the world's favorite word. Like find their pain point. And they with in capitalism, you they have to convince you that you have a pain point and then mm-hmm. sell you stuff once they've convinced you of it. And so Vulvas are supposed to smell like vulvas, mm-hmm. not autumn sunrise or and strawberries. <laughs> no, right. It's not, you know, supposed to happen. Like it has mm-hmm. a a scent. Every some someone, some folks, depending on your chemical makeup, are a little more pungent, a little more, you know, str- more identifiable, if you will, than mm-hmm. others, but that doesn't make it a problem. Now, if you get to the place where you have itching and burning and it's a like kind of a fishy type of like garbagey smell, then it may be some type of infection that may require medical attention, but like, you know, clearish to whitish, you know, discharge is our secret, vaginal secretions is typical. So mm-hmm. it's not anything to worry about but other basic things of making sure that when you if you work out a lot or if you swim changing out of your wet clothes because wet and dark is where bacteria loves to live so if it's dark in between your thighs and where your vulva is and then it's wet as well it's like hey come bacteria we want more of you so making sure you're, you're changing out of that making sure you're getting regular checkups i know folks who aren't who are not sexually active, wonder if they should get uh, pap smears or not. Mm-hmm. After a while, depending on how old you are, I recommend them. Like once you're you know, older than 21, I would recommend it begin to start a relationship with a GYN. Mm-hmm. They, you all may you know, discuss and decide together that you don't need one, but the pap smears really ultimately check for your Either risk of right. cervical cancer, cervical cancer and okay. things like that. And so because, you know, if you've not been, if you've never had sex, your risk of HPV is practically non-existent, Mm -hmm. but HPV is the cause of most types of uh, cervical cancer. But I would still recommend, you know, because I think there there are a number of other things that could be happening within the vaginal or uterine or cervical area that even without sex, that may be of concern and you don't want to wait, avoiding it cause something that could have been addressed 
for sure. earlier. So right now, the typical recommendation is three years, but some they allow if you have no, you know, no risk factors, they allow you to go up to five years mm. in between exams and pap smears. I'm not doing it. I'm not waiting no five years. I go. It took me long enough to get to three years. Like I go. I used to go once a year because I don't have time to play. I need to know what's up. <laughs> Cancer runs in my family, and I just don't have. I don't need okay. no surprises. Um, yeah. And so even then, my doctors agreed that my risk factors were low, and I was like, I don't care. I'm coming if I have to. If my insurance doesn't cover it, I'm going to pay for it myself because I'm doing wow. it. But definitely, you know, come back. And I had a hysterectomy. So mm. I'm even, so they're really like, Brittany, don't come back here. See you in 2025. And I'm like, no, it's not even a cervix for us to check. Oh, well, check it anyway. anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like, you know, just keeping scents and flavors and sugars off your vulva, getting, mm. you know, regular checkups and mm-hmm. looking at it take a look spend some time mm-hmm. spend some time down there and then of course you know balanced diet lots of water like you know that can like sugar is one of those things that really is just like terrible for our bodies in general yeah. including like vulva health too mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's important to just normalize like going to a gynecologist because i don't know even myself i not that i was uncomfortable with it mm-hmm. i just was it was like foreign to me so i'm like i don't have sex so why would i go but mm-hmm. also, like, you don't know that your normal vaginally or your vulva is healthy. Like, maybe you're experiencing mm-hmm. things that you shouldn't be experiencing. And going to the gynecologist will help you learn, like, oh, I didn't have to have that itch or experience mm-hmm. that for the last, I don't know, how many years, you know? So mm-hmm. just going or and you doing could, that. Or it could be typical, like, you know, so I was like, for example, I was over 300 pounds a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. And I couldn't see my vulva. So mm. I never really, you know, looked and I had all, all, I had two kids and really wasn't spending much time in there. But then once I lost the weight, I, I like, I was led to look and then it was just like, oh my God, like I'd never seen it before. So I didn't know. And I was wow. just like, this doesn't look like, you know, vulvas that are on, you know, TV or in diagrams and stuff like that. Like what's happening? And so, you know, I was convinced that I was going to die. Of course. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> And I was married. I was like, "What? It was ridiculous." So we went, we went to the doctor, and you know, she did an exam, and she and I was like, "Well, what's this? And what's that?" And I had taken all these pictures, and I was, and she was like, "You know, everything." I point. She was well, and my doctor knows because she knows that I'm a little, I'm a little special. <laughs> so she she handles me in such a way. But she was like, she was like, Brittany, there's nothing wrong with your vulva and just because you haven't seen it in five years don't come here she was like don't come here getting on my nerves I was like just explain it to me that and so she went through and it was more with what I was concerned about which I thought was like warts or something was actually my hymenal tag and so when your hymen separate it like gathers on the side and like little like folds of skin Mm. and she was like she was like hymen hymen and I was like well what's that she was like skin and I was like and what's that she was like a gland and I was like and what's that and she was like a skin tag I was like and what's that and I was like well I was there for she was like do you want me to freeze it off and I was like no and she was like all right and so it was as much as it right so as much as it will you know point out things that you have to address it really settles like oh this is just my vulva Mm -hmm. like this is just my vulva and that's the thing like my you know, I have anxiety. And so unknown things really will send me through a spiral. Mm -hmm. And so having that relationship with my doctor, even as a sex educator, I, it was like, as much as I knew 
I had sense to know that this was the anxiety. You know how anxiety works. It's a liar yeah. to tell you something else. And mm-hmm. so that having that relationship with my doctor to be able to email and send pictures is was important to help like kind of settle me. And then really it strengthened my work with other women to say, look at your, you have to look at your vulva because you need to be able to know what is your baseline and yes. what is different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also good too, you know, Therapists should be receiving therapy. Sex therapists or sexologists should also have people who are helping them as well. So I think that's a good testament to you just continuing to be a learner. So I think that's awesome. So if there was like one thing anybody could take from this conversation, what would you want that to be? That knowing who you are, like mentally, emotionally, and physically is a part of the work God has called us to. So if you believe that God has a purpose for your life and you believe he's sovereign and all of those things, you cannot carry out your purpose ignorant of your body. That's good. Because then especially we are to treat our bodies as temples. Know that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. If you are charged with caring for the temple of the Holy Spirit, you need to know that thing inside and out. If it was a literal temple that was outside right. of a, a structure that you were responsible for, it, everything would be up to code. You would know that building from the rooter to the two, the front to back, side to side, the foundation, the crawl space, the attic. You would know everything there was to know about it. You wouldn't mm-hmm. let just any old body come into the place. You know what I mean? You would make sure that everything was just so. Well, your mm-hmm. body is a temple. Do that. Carry it and care for it in the same way because when you are committing your body to God and honoring God with your body. You can't honor him with a body that you don't know because then that's not ignorant and that's not obedience. That's ignorance. That's good. Woo. Good (laughs) stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and what they can look forward to? Yes, absolutely. I am at the Intimacy Firm on everything, thankfully. So on Instagram is where most of my shenanigans happen. So most of my (laughs) cutting up and fun happens over on Instagram. I would love for you all to join the Intimacy Insiders by being us over there with all my good girlfriends. (laughs) Um, I'm also on Facebook at the Intimacy Firm. Twitter, I'm not quite as active on Twitter, but it's there. And we also have the Intimacy Firm YouTube page. Mm-hmm. And that is where we are right in the middle of season four of My Volve Me, which is a web series for, by, and about Black women, where we center Black women doing amazing things from around the world and really kind of dig into what their experience is like doing what they do, but also being a Black woman and how it's unique and impacted by that. We get into all kinds of things mm-hmm. um, over there and the My Volve Me book our anthology that is based on the web series. We're in volume two that comes out this November, November 28th. And and so we're like 22 days away from the release of that. So I would love you all to check that out because pre-orders, pre-orders that stopped. And if you want to get in touch with me, the intimacyfirm.com is where you can reach me. My contact page is there. And yeah, I'm got lots going on and I'm so excited and would love to have all of you all be a part. Thank you so much again. for. Of course. Yeah. And I'm going to put your information in the description so people can access it easily. So yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and thank you guys for listening. If you'd like to support the parallel, you can join our our Patreon and have access to content that our free listeners do not just want to do a quick shout out for the first VIP Patreon. Her name is Arellis. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting Also, guys, remember to always speak the truth in love. 
and i'll speak to you next week bye bye